Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Shield Maiden. I'm your host, Natalie. And on today's podcast, we're going to be discussing an article that dropped in the New York Times. The headline reads, A martial arts star is criticized for his handling of abuse cases. Now, the article goes on to talk about a particular individual who's the head or the leader of an organization or rather a a big team, a very large team within the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community. And it talks about three different cases of abuse that happened, you know, in the United States. And then I think one of them talks about that it happened in Brazil. And they, they feel like he dropped the ball when dealing with these situations within his own organization. But as I read it and I read what happened, I immediately was, I I felt like a call to action needed to be made. I want to preface this podcast by stating that I, this is not, today is not an opinion piece. Uh, I'm not going to read this article and then give my opinion on this person. No, I'm not here to bash or name call. I read this and in my, in my heart, I was like, I need to talk about this. I need to let everybody know that this should be priority number one and we need to really do better. And so who else is going to step up other than me, especially in a situation that involves sexual abuse within the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community, and it is instructor on student. That is absolutely abhorrent, heinous, and it should not be happening in this amazing sport called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Is it the first time it's happened in any sport? No, not at all. And, and though that is sad, uh, I'm going to, I'm actually going to read from you a direct quote from the article. So I quote, this year alone, scandals involving sexual or psychological abuse have emerged in basketball, water polo, synchronized swimming, fencing, soccer, and even dragon boat racing. The jiu-jitsu allegations follow a pattern in which top officials and coaches operating with little oversight are accused of seeking to protect the interests of the sport instead of the victims, end quote. So, yes, this is not the first time something like this has happened. However, we should do our absolute best to make sure that this is one of the last times and I know that is that is a very, very hard bar to set. But I think that if any sport in the world can do it, that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu should be the sport that sets that new standard and lives up to that new bar that we have set. Because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is awesome in the fact that it is great at policing itself. Like these guys, and and that's why this has become such a big thing and it actually got all the way to the New York Times is because the jiu-jitsu community is very, very 
adamant about making sure that you are authentic, that you are true, that you live up to the name of being a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. And so Jiu-Jitsu is great that it polices itself. I've, I've, (laughs) I've never seen another martial arts style that will straight up put anybody like, like just, they will tell you how it is. They'll tell you how it needs to be. They're very honest group of people. And so you either, you know, you either know an arm bar or you don't, you either are a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt or you aren't. Jiu-jitsu doesn't lie. And I think that we can do something this monumental. I, I really believe that in my heart. So And another reason that this hits home, you know, obviously for the fact that I'm female, I am a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt who co-owns an academy with my husband. Like, I just, I really felt that this needed to be brought to light and brought forward. And also, (laughs) I read the article and first sentence out of the gate talks about our hometown. Um... And then just a little bit of information on that. So out of these three cases that it, it kind of discussed in detail, the first case it talks about happened right down the road from our academy. And it, it happened a couple years ago. And when it happened, when it, when it first kind of was talked about, it, it rocked our little, you, you know, town. And I remember a lot of people reached out to my husband and myself and they were like, you know, do you know this individual? What do you know? Um, What are your thoughts? How is it affecting your academy? So on and so forth. And my husband is a very conservative um, person and he's he's very Christian based and he's like, look, I, I don't know that person personally because I only knew him in a professional sense, Um, but it's you know, I'll pray for him and and all and the whole situation. He goes, but I, I, you know, I I don't know anything and it's, you know, it's not my place to have an opinion on anything, but we came back and we, we sat down and talked with each other and we're like, you know what we need to do? We need to be proactive. We can't be reactive. We can't just be quiet. Like we need to make sure that people feel safe at our school. And even though we had already had a bunch of protocols and procedures in place, we sat down and we're like, how can we make things better? And then also we were very, very focused on the fact that we needed to let our students and their families know what it is we do inside the academy to ensure that safety. And I really feel like maybe that's, where as academy owners, we're dropping the ball. And so that's where I feel like a lot of people, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructors are usually, at least for us, not only are we teachers, business owners, but we have to be marketing professionals and sometimes therapists and And there's just so many hats that we wear that sometimes just making sure people understand our protocols 
in our practices and the rules that that gets that gets swept under the rug at times because we have so much that we have to do but I think that this should be top priority and I'm going to talk about because in the article two out of uh, all three all three of these cases that happened happened outside of the academy and not inside and so even though I'm going to give you some things that we do and some things that we tell our students you know, we, we make sure that they're aware of how we run things. Uh, I do want to also talk about how the things that happened in this article um, could have been prevented, right? And, and how we need to really, really make sure that that doesn't happen. So if you are a student who's getting into jujitsu or if you are an academy owner or, or what, whatever the case may be, Figuring out how to see these things and how to, in jujitsu, there's this saying, and my husband makes a joke. <laughs> he goes, he goes, Hicks and Gracie once had a question. Uh, he said, I watched, I watched this video and someone asked Hicks and Gracie, you know, how, how would you get out of that position? I, I believe it was about 50, 50 guard. And someone asked Hicks and Gracie, well, you know, how would you, how would you get out of the 50-50 guard? And Hicks and Gracie says, oh, I wouldn't let you put me in it. <laughs> and my husband loved that. He was like, I'm, he's like, I'm using it forever now. And so that's what we need to do. We need to take proactive preventative measures. Let's go into things that we can do inside the academy or things that you should look for if you're searching for an academy um, or, you know, even to just stop in and train at for, you know, for visitation purposes when you're traveling. So always recommend cameras, uh, you know, and, and not just one like sad looking camera in a corner. I think that we can do better than that, especially with today's technology. I do recommend making sure that all the cameras are pointed and every stitch of your academy is, is, is under view except for, of course, bathroom, showers, changing areas, those kind of things need to be kept private. But I do believe that the cameras can be facing facing the door so you know who enters and who exits. So you can have a timeline. You know, this again, just ensures safety. So of course, cameras, that's a given, but also like, what are your protocols when it comes to bathroom, showers, private, uh, when people come and go from your academy? For us at our school, we have a single shower. It's not a, you know, it's not a mixed shower, uh, changing room, bathroom combo. We have a, a much smaller academy. So it's a private shower. Our, our rule, our, our kind of weird rule um, is female shower first. And the reason that we have that rule is because my husband is, is usually the instructor and during the day he can sometimes be alone uh, after he teaches he's cleaning he's in the academy by himself and we've had where a female was in the academy my husband didn't know for like 20 or 30 minutes because they were showering and changing and getting ready to go back to work and here's my husband just cleaning the gym <laughs> you know and and he realized that this female had been in the academy for 30 minutes and he was he was practically unaware because he just got so involved in cleaning 
that um, it, it kind of it, it kind of put him on guard. It kind of scared him. He was like, he called me right away. He was like, babe, I, you know, I, you know, that could have really been a bad situation. And because I just, you know, I wasn't in the back. I wasn't in the shower area. I was cleaning the mats. I had kind of seen everybody leave and it didn't even occur to me that there was still someone in the facility and that it was a female. And so that's a recipe for disaster. We immediately implemented the rule, females first, and we had some people ask us about it. And we were very honest. We were like, look, it's just safer. You know, when when a male is alone in the academy, someone like, because that's all it takes. That's all it takes is one person to say one thing and it can ruin your life and your reputation. And so we just always have to be safe. We always have to be proactive in these things. So when it comes to showers, we do it that way. Bathrooms are really big. Like bathrooms aren't a big deal when it comes, you know, because of course we have a male bathroom, a female bathroom, but bathrooms become an issue for us when children's classes are in play and not an issue, but we, we saw that there was a need to really, really put some hard rules in place for that. For example, we don't allow adults in the bathroom at the same time as children. Because we have a multiple bathroom area, like we have two toilets in the women's bathroom and then a urinal toilet in the men's bathroom, that means that multiple people can be in the restroom at any given time. And so we stated no adults while there are children. So coaches, parents, and of course ourselves, we understand that if restrooms are needed that and it's an emergency like i will i recommend my parents go right next door because we're in a strip mall and so they go right next door those people are very cool they've got single bathrooms we've talked to them and so they usually will use the one of the other bathrooms in the strip mall because we are having kids classes they have to walk across our mats they're interrupting class and they're also you know, we might have a child who absolutely needs to use the bathroom at that time. And then I have an adult in the bathroom of the child. And that is, again, a recipe for disaster. So we draw a really hard line on that. Of course, we've had like where one of my coaches is like, I have to go to the bathroom right now. It's an emergency. Well, then that's why we have scheduled bathroom breaks during the class. I have three scheduled bathroom breaks for my little kid's class. And usually what that does is that make sure that they're not like, I don't have one kid off the mat at any given time uh, to use the bathroom. And so I do a head count really quick. As soon as I know that everybody is on the mats, I send the coach or the person in question, the parent or whatever, uh, to the bathroom. Uh, just, it's just safety, right? And then when it comes to private lessons, having private lessons, of course, if you've got cameras in place, this is, this always helps but it's not foolproof and we always need to add a layer, you know, an added layer of protection. And so with private lessons, we usually always schedule them right before a class. That way we're not in the academy alone with an individual for any length of time. And almost always, if at all possible, we try to go together and make sure that there's more than one person in the academy with the student again safety in numbers and we're just being smart and then here's where it's going to get a little sexist and i'm okay with this so 
I've had someone ask, they said, well, if a female wants a private lesson with your husband, what is your protocol? What do you guys do? And my response is, cause I've had a couple of people over the years where they've, they've requested and they were female and I wasn't, I wasn't yet a black belt or they like the way he teaches something particular because my husband, my husband has a very good overall game. And so like, he's very good playing the guard and doing all this. And I like, I I will be very honest, even though I know how to play the guard, it's not my jam. (laughs) I'm a passer, Um, but I know how to do the things. However, when it comes to those cases, right? Like before I was a black belt and stuff, I've had women who are like, Hey, I would like to do a private lesson. And then we give them a couple different options. There's no, there's no talking. There's no, we tell them a, you know, we always encourage what's called buddy privates at our Academy. And a buddy private is where you and one other person can come in and train in a private lesson with professor Paulo or with my husband (laughs) and, um, and what, and it's actually a little cheaper than a one-on-one private because we're not using our bodies. You're not having to beat us up and it's easier for us to teach you. You know, we can really break down the technique. We, we can see it from the outside. We can observe your movements, see where, where you're having issues, what's going on. You know, is it your body type that is causing the, the, you know, the trouble that you're having with a particular technique or, you you know, what's going on there. And so we always encourage buddy privates. And so we definitely encourage buddy privates when it comes to females wanting a private lesson. We're like, Hey, you and one other individual can come in. And then also let's say that for whatever reason, uh, you know, they don't want a buddy private. They can't find a buddy. Then what we will do is we'll make sure that there are two instructors like myself and my husband. Um, and then of course, I'm being utilized. Now that's not the case in all academies because there's not a lot of wife husband duos. Um, But I would recommend that if you are requesting a private lesson, if you can't find a female instructor to request a buddy private, if that's not a thing, request maybe multiple instructors. And I know people are going, oh, that's more money. Well, you know, again, safety, like we're just doing safety. And I personally, as a female, like I would never request a private with a male instructor. Um, you know, like I might ask if I could spend 15 minutes like before a class or after a class, uh, if I was having trouble with a technique, but if I couldn't find a female instructor or if a buddy private was not available, or, uh, you know, if, if there wasn't multiple people, like if there's a, pri- if there's a private instruction class going on and then they happen to have like a, you know, like a, a secretary or something in the facility depends on how your academy is set up. Well, then that's, that's, that's probably much more safer. But for us, we don't have a secretary, you know, station, we don't have anybody. So I'm usually either at the academy in the back cleaning or going through inventory or making phone calls or working on paperwork. And so that's what we do when it comes to private lessons. We, we make sure that we, we have more than one person because again, safety in numbers. Now, moving on, I, I do want to talk about something because I stated earlier where in these three cases that are presented in the article, 
all three of them happen outside of the gym, outside of the facility. And that's where a huge thing happens where being personable versus personal happens, right? So, and it's very easy in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because your students become an extension of your family. And so you can get very close to your students, to, you know, to your teammates. And it's, it's, it's very difficult sometimes to draw that line and, and keep it. And so how we do some things like this, right? So being personable, right? Being friendly and being friends are two different things. Being personable and being personal are two different things. And we can cross that line and we need to make sure that we don't. So in these cases, like the one case is they, she was, she was babysitting for them. She was, she was at their house all the time for, for whatever reason. He was taking her to places. I think I read in a different article because I, I started to read each one of these individual cases and, and everything that I could find on them. And it just, again, that line was crossed. And because that line was crossed, that, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, putting any blame on anybody other than the person who caused the sexual abuse, who actually instigated the sexual abuse, which is the, you know, the perpetrator. So that's not what I'm doing here. What I'm saying is that that line should have never been crossed. And if that line is ever crossed as a student, as someone who's then, you know, red flag should be popping up in your brain and you should be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like if, if all of a sudden your whole family trains at a place and you're sending off your, your kiddo to go babysit for them, well, like red flags. Um, you know, so personable versus personal, two different things. And, and I'm saying this from an academy, you know, owner perspective. And uh, we have to be very careful because I have three daughters, so I need a babysitter sometimes. But we're very particular. I, I use family members a lot. I have one babysitter that I've used for a very long time. And so we try our best not to um, kind of mix our academy and our students with our personal life. Of course, they are going to overlap in certain cases, but things like that, we don't, we try our best not to. And then, um, you know, so my husband also, and another, another place where we can become a little too personal is my husband has like a 12 o'clock class, a noon class, a lunch class, if you will. And those guys always go out to eat because we're right, we're in that strip mall that I talked about earlier and there's a couple different restaurants. And so they always like, they hit up the gym, they get shower change, and then they're, they're hitting up the subway or they're hitting up the little restaurant. And, um, and they have really developed a great camaraderie with each other. And we, we encourage that. We want that to flourish, but my husband doesn't go to lunch with them. Um, he does once in a while just to, you, you know, cement that team 
you know, that team mentality, that team atmosphere, but he doesn't do it all the time. He does it like maybe a couple of times a year, honestly. And the reason that he does this is he needs to maintain that teacher student relationship and that professional persona. And so he's like, Hey guys, I hope you have a good lunch. And they, they invite him all the time. And he's told me, he's like, you know, uh, it's nice. He goes, but I do want to make sure that they are, Oh, they see me as their, their instructor. They see me as their professor. And so he definitely always maintains that little bit of extra distance. And it's, as an instructor, it's, it's hard because it can be very lonely to be the leader all the time. But I tell people, I was like, if, if this is what you're going to do for a living, you need to understand the awesome. And I mean, awesome is in the huge, great responsibility that you're taking on. You have to think of yourself as being on all the time right? Because just because you're a doctor and you go out to dinner and you're no longer at the office, it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you stop being a doctor just because you're not in your office. You go out to dinner with your family, you're having a nice meal. You don't stop being a doctor. And it's just like that for a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor who owns an academy. You know, if you represent your academy, if you represent that team or that business, you represent them when you're at the grocery store picking up toilet paper. And you have to remind yourself that because I can't tell you how many times I have seen individuals that I have taught, that we have trained with, that know us from, you know, it just happened to me the other day. I'm sitting there and there's a gentleman in the back fixing the neighbor's concrete pad out in the back of the business. And um, they run a little sports bar <laughs> and we're talking and chatting with them. And he goes, he goes, my buddy knows you. And he said, he said that you were not a girl to mess with. And, uh, you know, come to find out the gentleman that he's talking about, who's his really good friend, was a student of ours like 10 years ago that we had known for years. And so, again, like you have no idea how far reaching, you, you know, your being. And so you always, always must remember to act accordingly and to be personable, to be friendly, but not to be friends. And if you're on the other side of that, then you need to be well aware of what you're looking for in an academy, right? And to make sure that people are promoting safety and they're being smart um, at all times. And so guys, again, thank you for this. Again, this is a call to action today. I want us to be our best, do our best. Uh, you know, I, 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 I do self-defense all the time for women who have had absolute horrific things happen to them. And, and the fact that someone is taking advantage of them, it, 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 anyone, not, you know, when I read this article and these women, like these girls were underage, there's no consent for a minor with an adult. You know, I, I read in one of them, she finally came, she, she came out to another female who was like a manager of one of the academies she, she worked at and trained at. 
And the woman was like, well, was it consensual? (laughs) There's no consent for a minor. They can't consent. And so I, I really, really want to make sure that this doesn't happen anymore. And we all have to do our part. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you guys. And I will catch you on the next one where I'm at.